I'm walking and walking and walking and walking and walking and I'm just waiting to see... You know, uh, little Danny Torrance come up on a big wheel. It's like I'm in The Shining and I'm waiting for Red Rum and the Jack Nicholson and the whole thing. I don't know what. I just know if I have to walk any longer, if Scatman Crothers jumps out on me, I'm going to have to kick his ass. Hey, welcome. Once again, bitter is pill time, folks. Listen, it's Dan Class. I'm in the garage. You know, I'm a stay-at-home dad, shut in. I'm listening to the planes landing over my head here at LAX, in beautiful Los Angeles. Los Angeles being, of course, the best place to be a uh, failed actor, former comedian, stay-at-home dad, shut in. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you, uh, wouldn't you agree? Yes, I know. We just spoke the other day. I know. And here I am back again, trying uh, desperately to keep a promise to give you four shows a month. Uh, it's not going to happen, is it? I can feel it. No, we're going to push it. We're pushing, 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 pushing. All right. The last one might be, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. I got to do it. Anyway. Hi, how, are, how have you been since uh, yesterday? Have you been well? <laughs> Oh, I was sure. Yeah, you know, it's been a busy month. Holy cow. But don't worry, it's almost over. Where where did we leave off? Uh, so, you know. I, I guess uh, we left off with me arriving in, in uh, you know, uh, Las Vegas. And um, basically, see, when we had our layover in Las Vegas... Uh, the first time, the time out, I, I kind of got the feeling like the Las Vegas airport is very small. You know, Burbank is small, Albany is small, uh, Las Vegas kind of got the feeling Las Vegas airport, very small. It's in the middle of the desert. How many, you know, it's going to serve Las Vegas. It's not LAX. So when I go to find my bag, you know, the bag, the blue garment bag, you know, after taking the wife and kids over, walking them over to their new gate, you know, watching the kids while we all got, you know, ordered slices for them and everything. I I go down and I'm looking around for baggage claim. Well, you have to take kind of like a shuttle train or something. And they get out of the shuttle train. I realized that uh, Las Vegas International Airport is actually quite big. You know why? Lots of people like to gamble, Danny. Didn't you know? Yeah, they have shows here and gambling and naked women. Uh, it's going to be a big airport. And even in the small part of the airport, even in just the little southwest terminal, you you leave the airport. Or excuse me, you leave the airplane. You you have the jetway, so it's plane jetway. And before you even see carpeting, it's it's slots. And I don't know if those are for the people coming in that just can't not wait to get rid of their cash, or if that's for the people going out. Like I, you know what? I got a, I got two dollars. I haven't lost. Why not ching ching? Try convincing a five year old that a slot machine is not the same as the things at the arcade. You put money in, nothing comes out. This is yeah. This is just like at uh, Fun Central. So I go down to get my my bag. I finally get the baggage claim, and that's just you know, it's it's chaos. It's a very modern uh, airport. 
There's baggage claim little carousels everywhere in this one just big open room, and none of them seem to be labeled Albany, which is where I was coming from. So I can't find my bag, and now you got to keep in mind too. I've been visiting family, you know. I've been kind of cloistered, if that's the word, in in a family home situation. I haven't really gotten out much, you know. Albany Airport. It's very small. There are really not that many people there. So after about two, let's say, you know, 10 days, 11, two weeks, whatever. I'm suddenly in Las Vegas. And I'm overwhelmed by the need to just walk around and every kind of young, good looking woman, I say, she'll be horn, she'll be horn, she'll be horn, she'll be horn. Horn. She'll be horn. You know what that means. Tell the kids it's H-O-R-N, okay? Can you just swing with this? You're, you're that new? I don't know why. Just the, the, the you know, the cynical cynic. Uh, just a horn, 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 horn. Was horn. Too old to horn. She's horn. She thinks she's going to be showgirling? No, she's horn. Trust me. Trust me. She, oh, yeah, she's working her way through college. Uh-huh. Horn. Anyway. Now, you can see the strip from the airport when you land. It, it can't possibly be that far. But I just paid, you know, 160 odd dollars to get my luggage here. So I don't feel like splurging on the cab, whatever the cab would be. So I end up taking the $6 shuttle thingy, you know. And it's not... It's not hotel specific, but you know, you've got one line that goes to these two hotels, another line that goes to these two, blah, de, blah, de, blah. So I go and I pay my ticket and I get in line, uh, you know, A or six or 14 or whatever it was. And there's three, four guys ahead of me. And I wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And I'm thinking, ah, should I get a. And the bus pulls up. And uh, he he says, "Yeah, we're going over to the Hilton. Great. Uh, only have room for uh, the, these three or four. Oh, so I wait and wait and wait and wait. So I finally get to the Hilton. I check in. I get to my room. And like I say, I wanted to go over to the expo. You know, was, that's why I was in Las Vegas. I was in Las Vegas." I was not in Las Vegas for Horn. I was in Las Vegas for the for the New Media Expo. So I could walk around and, you know, meet people and be Sula, right? Okay. Well, so I go, I check in, you know, lovely room, view of some part of Las Vegas, I guess, apparently some park or golf course or parking lot, I don't know. Well, I got to find the convention center. The convention center is just next door. It's got to be right, right? It's going to take me 10 seconds to get there. So I even go downstairs and say, hey, I'm going to the convention. Or, no, I'm going to the New Media Expo. Oh, that's next door in the convention center. It is? Great. How do I get there? No, I think I think the lady's going to say, we well, go outside, take a left. Walk down till you get to the front door, take another uh, left, and go in. Which says, no, go, uh, you know, buy the slots there, which is how all directions start. All directions in Las Vegas, no matter where you are. Start with, okay, you go down past the slots. 
go past the slots and kind of bare left and you'll see a sign and you go down there and uh, it's just down there. Oh, okay, cool. So, oh, I, I, I go past the slots and I go down there, just down there. Past, uh, you know, a couple theme restaurants and I go just down there and then I go just down there. Then I turn right and I turn left and I go just down there. And then I go down the hallway and then I turn, I go down the hallway. There's another open area. And I'm just, wa I'm walking, I'm walking. I'm just walking, I'm walking. Endless walking of walking. Nothing but miles of walking. I finally, it opens up into a hallway or some such. And it's a convention, apparently. Am I in the convention center? No, I'm still in the Hilton. I'm still, in, I've been walking for six days now. I'm still in the Hilton. And the convention that I found is not the New Media Expo. It's the Sony gaming superhero, uh, you know, freaky deke dressed like an elf convention. It's some sort of weird role-playing video game uh, thing. I don't, you know. Guys dressed like they're in Jethro Tull songs or something with big, you know, cardboard maces and swords. It just... So I take a left. And then uh, I do see a sign that says something like, you know, to, to the catwalk or to the jetway. Somehow to the, something about getting to the convention center. So I go through there. Now... You know how some people, when it's really hot out, they go, wow, it's it's so hot. It's it's like a sauna. When you're in Las Vegas, it's like a sauna. And I don't mean that as an analogy, some sort of, uh, you know, simile. No, no, no. It is like a sauna. And some jackanape has just poured water on the coals that make the make the heat go heater hotter, hider holder. You go out from the air conditioning. You know, I would just walk sixteen blocks inside the air conditioning of the Hilton. I open up all the every ounce of liquid is right out of my body into the atmosphere, never to be seen again. So I crawl. I, I assume across the street or something, I, I was hallucinating there was a mirage. I saw a, a lagoon and a palm tree and a hula girl. I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's like crawling across Tatooine. I finally get back in a building and I'm in now I, I, what I assume is the convention center or, you know, the Battlestar Galactica. I don't know where I am anymore. I'm so confused. All I know is at least I'm back in a carpeted hallway and I'm back in the endless abyss and I'm just walking. I'm walking and walking and walking and walking and walking and I'm just waiting to see, you know, uh, little Danny Torrance come up on a big wheel. It's like I'm in The Shining and I'm waiting for Red Rum and the Jack Nicholson and the whole thing. I don't know what. I just know if I have to walk any longer, if Scatman Crothers jumps out on me, I'm going to have to kick his ass. Finally. After miles, miles of carpeting and pictures of every person, every famous celebrity that's ever been to Las Vegas has been photographed and they're 
picture is is hung in these hallways. I think it's just to, to give the person a sense of some sort of accomplishment. Or maybe it's like breadcrumbs. If, when you go back to the Hilton, and you know, okay, we just passed the atomic lady with the cotton balls over her coochie-coochie-coo. You know what? I've got to be heading in the right direction. Well, finally, I see people that I know. I'm so delirious. But at this point, I can't even think of their names. I'm like, hey, guys. <laughs> Are you serious? Is this the way? Is this the way? Don't go out the door. Whatever you do, take water. So they, they assure me that I'm actually heading in the right direction. Even though at this point, I'm honestly, I'm thinking of calling a cab and just going back to the airport. If, if someone could find me and walk me to the cab, I may have just split. So I finally get down to, uh, you know, the expo floor and, you know, register and all that. And they misspell Los Angeles on my name tag, which I don't notice until someone points it out to me two, three days later. And it's always that weird thing of like going, you know, here's the, and, and this is no fault of uh, the new media expo per se, but every convention center, I, I have to assume, looks exactly the same. I, I've been to really only a small handful, but they're all pretty much, you know, <laughs> painted girders, a big open space. Uh, those uh, kind of curtainy black dividers with tables in front and people smiling and shaking hands and trying to sell stuff. Except, you know, this time instead of just driving to downtown LA or driving to Ontario, I've flown to Las Vegas. So there's always that weird, it's kind of like going into someone else's Costco. Like last week we had to go to Costco, the kids and I. But by the time we drove down to the regular Costco that we normally go to, uh, Princess T fell asleep. So H and I went back home and we made lunch and finally she woke up and we went and did this, we went and did that. And then later on we went, but we were in another part of town. We went to a different Costco. So if you're ever in someone else's Costco, it's weird because you kind of recognize it. You kind of know the layout, but half of it's a, a mirror image of what you're used to. You think you know that the baby wipe should be over near the tobacco, which is fine unless you, you don't know where the tobacco is. It takes you three and a half hours to do a shopping that usually takes you 15 minutes. Because you're wandering around like, uh, I thought I was near the 15-gallon uh, drum of peanut butter, but I'm not. I'm near the two steers for uh, $10. So walk into the expo and, you know, it's some great familiar faces, but it's just that weird trippy kind of class reunion thing where, you know, like, is this today or is this last year? Is this, did I just, did the last, seriously, did the last 12 months really happen or is this just last year, but it feels that it's tomorrow is today? What, like, what, where are, actually are we? Did I really just walk for 15 years down the hallway? I have no idea what's going on, but I see, you know. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, it's me. Hey, it's you. How have you been? Good to see you. You're looking good. Yes, you are. Right. But I got to get my bearings. I don't quite have the migraine completely yet. 
It's still at a dull roar. And um, and I'm pretty sure how this is going. Now, now again, you know, I'm going to get a lot of this wrong. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, I, I, I can, I can get, I can only get so relaxed in these situations. I'm very small and I'm bald and I'm old and I, I you know, I, I just, in some way, it just, you know, these are always just weird kind of nerve wracking experiences. I, I enjoy them, but they're kind of odd. And I'm just self, I'm inherently self-conscious. And then what happens is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm chatting with this person, that person, I'm chatting with Evo, Tara. You know, from patiobooks.com and his wife, uh, Sheila, she, she, she actually gets younger every time I see her, which is kind of creeping me out, tell you the truth. You know, you, do you know any of those, they get, they get younger each, that's just, it's not right. And I think it was those two that I was talking to. And then, uh, you know, a woman came up and they introduced me to her. And, um, if you're listening, forgive me for not remembering your name, but this, uh, woman, she introduces herself and she says, oh, I've been listening to your show. And uh, I think she said, Shelly, uh, you know, to- Shelly told me about you. Well, this woman is, uh, uh, what, you know, what the- I'm trying to be politically correct. She- she- she's visually uh, 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 not, a- is, uh, you know, okay. I don't want to be politically, right? I don't want to say the wrong thing. My un- Listen, I'm going gonna- I'm gonna to put it this way. My uncle is uh, pretty much blind. Okay. My uncle is pretty much blind. I've been around pretty much blind people, you know, all my life. So I'm talking to this woman, and um, she's visually impaired. Which obviously, you know, doesn't bother me at all, except that I am immediately, because I'm self-conscious, I'm immediately aware of how often, in normal conversation, I use the verb to see. As in, hello, nice to see you. Oh, I haven't seen Shelly. Is she here? Well, I'm sure I'll see her eventually. Dan, can you do that? Well, we'll see. I mean, it's just like every sentence, every, as I'm standing here talking to this wonderfully nice woman, every sentence I say has the verb in some way or another to see. I see. We'll see. Did you see? We'll see. No, it was about that time. And this is why I can't remember the woman's name. It was about that time that Melissa called to tell me that we didn't end up having to, uh, we didn't have to eat that $160 extra charge to get the blue bag here. You know, you heard that story last time. Now, the reason I'm so uptight this whole time is really all I can think about is that I'm hosting the Coverville concert because uh, I don't really perform on a stage that much anymore, really. I sit in this little room and I do my little thing. You know what I mean? But I don't I go in front of the people. It's a whole different thing. And talky talk, right? And it's very different than this because it is, to, to my mind, it is, you know, stand-up, kind of, right? So all I can think about is the fact that I'm going to host this show and the fact that um, when Brian first asked me, you know, I stood at the dinner at the kitchen uh, sink that night doing the dishes, and I thought of a bunch of jokes. <laughs> That'll be funny. Maybe I'll say that. And, and I, you know, I came up with uh, you know, I don't know, five jokes or whatever. And uh, and that that was it. That I had nothing. There was no no more came. Nothing. Good luck to you, Dan. Listen, that's all you get. Five. Okay, but I need more than no. That's no five. 
Are you serious? Because I, nope, five. Five. One, two, three, four. Five. Well, I do get the impression that uh, the brain is worried about ticket sales. Because it apparently is a big room. I haven't seen the room at this point, but it's apparently a big room. And uh, much bigger than the original room, but the original room where it was originally going to be somehow kind of went apparently bankrupt. So that place got locked up. So Brian, uh, you know, was able to swing this thing, I guess, with Bally's. Okay. So that night, um, I ended up going out to dinner with uh, Brian and his friends. Lovely people. Lovely, smart, funny, educated, knowledgeable people. Really know their food and wine and and how to just relax and have fun while uh, some guy that they don't know sits there quietly (laughs) and tries to... I mean, I've been up since, you know, I don't even know what time, like five in the morning, New York time. I'm now in Las Vegas and we're out eating until... 10 o'clock or something my brain is caving in you know on the way back one of the women says to me oh so you live in LA have you seen a bunch of have you seen celebrities you must see celebrities like who have you seen and I'm like um oh jeez um okay I saw Dave Navarro at In-N-Out Burger and um I got nothing. I don't know. Uh, I uh, and uh, Stanley didn't sign my son's comic book. I mean that that yeah, and a bunch of you know you see you know that's all I could come up with. That's really bad. That's really bad. But oh, we'd gone to this beautiful restaurant way off the strip. It was lovely. I'm sure I was dazzling dinner conversationalist oh my god oh i'm so embarrassed anyway so the next day it's showtime so i go over with uh, the guys from the radio adventures of dr floyd and we see the room the room is gigantic it is so gigantic holy cow it's really huge it's the size of uh, some small uh, galaxy. If you could imagine if Duran Duran were playing in Las Vegas, apparently this is the room they would perform in today. Not a stadium coliseum, but big enough for Las Vegas's uh, Duran Duran fan base. Well, by the time, you know, we're done futzing around with the sound check and, you know, I see the stage and walk this stage. You know, I got to do that. I got to be on the stage before showtime. You can't just go up on the stage and go, oh, this is the first time I've been on the stage. I I can't do that. So, you know, I go walk the stage. Uh, I think I did a little read through with the the Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, read read a couple of their parts just so they could do a little thing. Met their guest celebrities. Um, Chance and his choir did their sound check. 
Well, now I've got about an hour before I need to be back for the show. Oh. Oh. Oh, see, because, um, wow, didn't time that very well. Uh, wow, I was kind of hoping to shower and uh, eat some dinner and not wear these clothes. Okay, well, hmm. See, because to me, the thought of not, <laughs> this is so sad, the, the thought of me not going back to the hotel and just kind of touching base there and like changing my shirt. I can't wear my day shirt at the show. I got to wear my night shirt. I got to have the, you know. So I take the tram. Well, actually, no, I don't even take the tram. I leave the Bally's, the big concert room thingy. I don't know where to eat. I mean, that's the thing about being in Las Vegas. There's nowhere to just casually like get something to eat that isn't Sapporo's or however you say that. You know, if you if it, if you can't live on a slice of pizza, you got to go in there and sit down either either at a horrible cafe or a really nice restaurant, quote unquote. Now I'm in Bally's, which is you know it's kind of like semi-merged Bally's in Paris. What do they call that? Paris? Do they just call it Paris? Paris, Paris? What do they call that? I don't know, but once you get off the tram there and you walk through the Paris, Paris thing, is that called Paris, Paris? You walk through, it's really like being in actual Paris. If Paris were made of plastic and in the basement of a casino, honestly. Just like Paris, if Paris were uh, artificial. And nothing like Paris. If it was full of, if Paris was full of fat Americans gambling and sweating and and being uh, drunk, and horn, then that's pretty much it. So I go, I get a slice. Mm, best thing for me, um, slice, great slice and Diet Pepsi. Go back to the hotel, change my shirt. I don't have time to shower. There's no time. There's no time. I gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. All right, put a different shirt on, some deodorant. Get the hat in place. And let's go back to Bally's now from the Hilton all the way to the other side of the strip and back through Paris, Paris, through the, uh, you know, the facades. That's a labyrinth. Well, you know, Natalie Gelman was performing. She's there. She's ready. Chance in the choir, they're so ready, they're not even in there. They, they've come, they've gotten ready, now they're off somewhere being ready, and then they're going to come back and just still be ready, and then when it's time, they're just going to go on. Jonathan Colton, you know, internet, uh, you know, superstar. Jonathan Colton, um, he shows up right before the show, he wants to do a sound check. Nicest guy ever. Totally, completely, utterly cool, down-to-earth, approachable, talkable, you know, uh, simpatico in synchronized, uh, you know what I mean? Really? Like you could just show up at his, you know, you just hang out with Jonathan Colton. Awesome. Awesome dude. And then not to get into it too much, uh, then there was Richard Cheese. Now, I'm going to give Mr. Cheese the benefit of the doubt. See, Natalie Gelman and Chance and Jonathan, they're in, not not only, but they're in the new media space. They have their music played on podcasts. They know what we're all about in this little universe, whatever. Richard Cheese. Now, do you know who Richard Cheese is? He's a guy 
I guess he used to be a comedian. And then he, he got the idea, hey, you know, I'll sing uh, hit rock hits of the day, but like a lounge singer. So that's his thing. He's Richard Cheese, Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. And he goes, you know, you know, I want to desecrate you. Right, that kind of thing. Okay, you get it. The kind of thing when I was a comedian, I'd go, hey, what if, what if you sang Spider-Man as a lounge? Like, Spider-Man, spy, you know, and you do that for like 10 seconds. This is this guy's career. Fine. Hey, listen, God bless you. You're selling a lot of CDs. You're playing all over town. You, you, you were the house band for Carson Daly or whatever. Run with it, baby. But Richard Cheese is from show business, show business. So he's, he's, he's got a handler and he's just, just the whole attitude, just the whole like, there was us, you know, down, feet on the ground, and then there was Richard, <laughs> you know? Like, dude, you're, you, you realize you're, okay, okay, never mind, never mind, okay. Because, because what would happen is he, people, like his handler gal, and he had this really cool handler gal, like this big, good-looking brunette tattoos and, and vest with nothing underneath it type chick. Like, like sexy kick your ass type, you know what I mean? But every once in a while she'd come up, um, Richard, um, needs some waters in his green room. So if, if, you know, Brian Ebbett, who's putting the show together, if he wasn't around and, and, and handler Chicky told me, then I would, uh, you know, go try to take care of whatever, you know, I'm, I got Brian's back, right? Um, Richard would like to see you. Now, this is after a couple of requests and, you know, he he's warm, but not really warm. He's warm for a guy that's really cold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's trying to be warm. He's kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, like you touch something really cold. It kind of feels warm at first. It's a little like that. And the only reason I'm saying anything at all is because this is the kind of thing that I hate. She comes to me, Chicky Handler comes to me, and this is all my ego. And, and, and it's it's partly my ego and partly just, I don't want you to treat me like you have an ego. Richard, Richard would like to see you. And it's got that tone. It can't just be, hey, um, you know, Richard needs to tell you something. Richard needs to talk about, Richard needs to discuss his intro with you. No, Richard would, Richard would like to see you. Okay. Now that's not the part that actually irks me because that's that's all her she needs to be respectful that's cool that's cool hey listen baby be respectful who's paying your bills he is richard would like to see you go with it but i go into richard's you know green room thingy and he has his back to me and he's kneeling down and he's rummaging 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 through a bag And rummaging, and I'm standing there, and it's loud. So I and the show has begun at this point, so I can't super yell like, "Hey, I'm, I'm here, man." The show has. Do you understand that? I okay. No, no, no. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting. There's something about that to me, and and, and maybe it wasn't meant as a power play, but it just reminds me of when I was a kid, just out of college. My friend Bosco and I, whom I've discussed. 
You know, Bosco and I, for uh, for a short while, uh, entertained the idea of being a radio pair, you know, like wacky uh, morning guys or whatever. And my uncle knew this guy who was in radio in Stanford, Connecticut, which, you know, now that I'm a full-grown adult, that's, that's a very small market, particularly when you're a market that size right next to a market the size of New York City. But he knew this guy and hey, listen, we were kids. We didn't know we didn't know anything. So he set up a meeting with this guy. Uh, I don't know. We'll call him Vic. I don't I don't remember his name. So so Bosco and I go and we go and we're going to have a meeting with Vic in Stanford at the big radio station in Stanford. Again, this isn't, you know, this is not WABC. So we go to the office and uh, the secretary or receptionist or whatever, you know, makes it, we, we wait, obviously, in the foyer. And then she says, OK, Vic, we'll see you now. And she takes us into Vic's office. And Vic is sitting in there. And she leads us in and has us sit down. And Vic sits at his desk with us in the room. Writing. On a piece of paper. On a legal pad, writing, writing. While we sit there. And I became absolutely enraged. And I wanted to grab the pen from his hand and just shove it through the back of his palm. And I said to my uncle, why did he, what is the story where he brings us in there and then he's got to do 10 minutes of homework? That was just a power move. It was just a power move. It was just a power move. Well, F Vic. So I'm standing in there because Richard wants to see me. He knows I'm coming. Maybe he's got a lot to do. Maybe he didn't, you know, I'll give him the, maybe he didn't sense I was in there. But there was something about it. It just reminded me of Vic at the radio station in Stanford. So he finally gets up. Yeah. So this is this is what I need. This is what no, this is what's going to happen. When you're on stage, my uh, musicians are going to go up and then. When they're ready, they're going to give you a high sign. Okay. And then at that point, you say, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Cheese and two-thirds of Lounge Against the Machine. And then you walk off the stage. Then they're going to play a couple of bars. And then I'm going to come up on stage. And then I will begin the show. Do you have that? Okay. You're going to go. And then my guys are going to give you a high sign. And then you're going to walk off the stage. But all you're going to say, ladies and gentlemen, two-thirds of Richard Cheese after the high sign. And then you leave. And then I will go up. Okay, do I do I look... Okay. Real, that... <laughs> okay. That's really all... That's all this is about, huh? Okay. No, I think, I think I, pretty sure I got that, Rich. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much.
Now, at one point I'm on stage and I come off and I think it was, maybe it was even after, no, it was, it was after I interview, introduced a chance in the choir and I come down from the stage and down at the bottom of the steps uh, is a small group of people, one, one of whom is uh, Veronica Belmont, who's a internet, you know, celebrity. She was uh, with, and I'm going to get this all wrong. She was with CNET and then she was with Mahalo Daily and now she's with, uh, she does a show called Techzilla at Revision 3 or whatever. But, but she's, she, 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 you know, online, she, she's a little tech uh, celebrity. And I'd made some joke from the stage about her um, hugging a girl that was there from Buffy the Vampire Slayer who does this thing called uh, The Guild and Dr. Horrible. Do you understand what I mean? You know, it was like geek, girl-on-girl action. Okay. So I come down the and there she is, and somebody introduces me, and she's like, oh my gosh, you made me blush when you were talking about me and uh, and uh, the girl whose name I can't think of right now from The Guild. Nah, ha, and, ha. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to... Uh, Veronica Belmont, who, you know, when I've seen her there, I mean, she's a very talented girl, but I got to tell you something. When you see her in real life, you, you, you want to just dip her in chocolate and serve her to the kids. She's just the cutest, sweetest little thing. It's, you, you just want to like take her and introduce her to your mom. You don't know whether you want to marry her or, or put her in stasis for your son. to ma- You don't know, you know, you don't know what to do. You just know you want to cuddle her and protect her and. I offer her, you know, all the loose change in your eye. Like, I don't know, you know. So I'm like, oh my God, that's so, oh, that's so, well, thank you so much for being here and then chance in the choir. And that was it. I can't shout. I just can't. I can't shout and think over, uh, it's been too long. It's been too long. I can't shout and think over the big of a, of a real rock show. And and Veronica could sense it, and she just powered down. Because I was just, my eyes glazed over, like, oh, okay, okay. Old bald man is going to slither away now and get uh, instructed by Richard Cheese how to introduce someone. Then, um, you know, sidekick, handler, Chicky, comes up to me again. Because, see, now I'm the go-to guy because I'm the host. And I'm always lingering around the stage, you know, because I have to host the show. So she, it was, Richard needs uh, a short table, like a short cocktail table. Well, you mean like those? And I point out into the crowd, in, in the audience, there's two kinds of tables. There's tall cocktail tables that you stand at. You know, maybe two people could stand at a table and drink their cocktails while they're watching a show. And then there's the dining table, which are lower. You know, you sit in a chair, you slide the chair and your legs underneath, you eat at this table. So I say, well, like that? She goes, no, 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 that's too big or too tall. Well, then you, you mean like that one? No, that, that's too large. That's the right height, but that one's too large. That one's the right size, but it's too tall. And she keeps claiming that there was one in his little green room, which is really just a curtain, a cube made out of a curtains. It was there and then it's not there. And I'm like, do you realize that there's a show going? Do you realize that I flew here not to serve Richard Cheese? Could you have discussed this with the roadies before the show? 
Because this thing is so unionized, seriously. Every time I go come off stage or right about to go on stage, somebody takes me aside and goes, okay, see that microphone right there? That's yours. That's the one that you are allowed to touch. You don't touch, just see the one there, the wireless, that's it. You grab that one, you take it on stage, you do your little talky-talky, and then when you're done, you put it right back there. You got it? Because somehow if I randomly choose which microphone on stage to use, I'm going to put a union guy out of work. Literally like 16 guys would on top of the stage. One would carry the mic, one would carry the stand, one would carry the cord, one would unplug the cord and move the end of the cord, but not the body of the cord. Then you had a guy on the other end of the cord. It was amazing. I once accidentally, because someone had suggested there was this big dead spot in the middle of the room. And somebody was like, ah, you know what we should do is have everybody move their table into the center. I was like, ah, okay, next time I'm up there, I'll mention it. I'm like, hey, everybody, you know what? If you want to move your table, just pick up your table and move it to the, no, Brian Ibbett, like all this, no, don't do that. $17,000 worth of union fines levied because one, you know, you can't, you just can't. We ended up asking some 87-year-old man that was working at the hotel for a short cocktail table. Because apparently Richard Cheese's whole act hinges on this table. It is not up for discussion, this table. You'd think that something that important would be, uh, you know, taken care of. <laughs> you know, before Richard, uh, before, uh, you know, chances in his closing number. Okay, sure, sure. And really all it is, just a little table for his props, his little doodays, martini glass and something else. Who knows? Hit me, baby, one more time. Ta-da. Boom. We all got posters. There were posters. Brian David had made posters. And... um and then somebody started have, having everybody sign their poster. And then everybody had to have everybody sign their poster. So it became a big kind of poster signing party. Even while Richard Cheese was on uh, stage. And I was really up in the air about whether to have Richard Cheese even sign my poster. Because I really felt no rapport or kinship whatsoever f- for him. He was different from us. He, you know, he was like a hired hand or something. Where the rest of us were really kind of in it and enjoying it. And he was anxious to go, but everybody wanted uh, him to sign this and sign that. And I did end up having him sign my poster. Because I think that the reason he irritated me was less about the table and the waiting and the beverages and the handler. It was that I f- see him as being successful. doing what he's doing. See, he sings lounge versions of other people's songs, but he actually does get paid. He actually does travel around doing that. And who am I to judge that? All I do is sit in the safety of my garage by myself. He goes for it. He's gone for it. He's out there. He's doing his thing. 
And yet, so is Chance. And so is Natalie Gelman. So is uh, Jonathan Colton. You know, maybe it's partly that I view Richard Cheese as a success, and maybe it's an extension of my fear. Because if if that's what it means to be a success, maybe I'm better off in the garage. So that's it. That, that's it for for now. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, 206-309-PILL. Uh, pill at danclass.com. Always, of course, at thebitterspill.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, on my way out of Vegas, I got a chance to uh, hang out with Seth Harwood. You know, say, have you, have you been listening to his books? Great uh, noir writer. Seth Harwood. I saw a picture or two of he and I <laughs> from the expo. He's so tall. He makes me look like a, just like an actual, like a statue of a person. I'm not actually, he looks like he's standing next to an Oscar or something. When it, it just, it's kind of surreal. Anyway, definitely check out uh, Jack Wakes Up from Seth Harwood. And I was recently listening on the way to New York. I listened to uh, Matthew Wayne Selznick's Brave Men Run. If you're into uh, 80s music, and superheroes and uh, teenage yeah it's kind of like you know if John Hughes in the 80s had made a superhero movie it, it might have been Brave Men Run I don't know anyway alright so Jack wakes up if you're into noir and sexy chicks and punching and kicking and coke deals gone bad and uh, all that uh, superheroes congratulations to Murder Lafferty I just heard her on NPR the other day her book is uh, being published now as is uh, when Matthew Wayne Selznick's by, uh, oh shoot, I can't think of the name of the publisher right now. Darn. He's right on the tip of my tongue. Seth's uh, Jack Wakes Up will be available once again on paperback, I believe paperback. But anyways, it's going to be, it's going to be back out in May uh, from Random House. I know these, these writers, I'm telling you. All right, that's it for now. I'm tired. What time is it? I don't know. Anyway, listen, I'll talk to you soon. I hope this uh, I hope this one wasn't a drag. You know? Yeah. Listen, I, I just want to, you know, I want to stay human. Is that so? That's why I'm a success. I expect people in show business to be human. What, what a naive little moron. All right, goodbye. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. This fall, are you ready for crime? Young Junius. 
the podcast novel, serialized every week at SethHarwood.com, brings you the story of Junius Pons. As a teenager growing up in a Boston that crack cocaine is just starting to take hold of, he's running to escape the consequences of a murder he had to commit and fighting to avenge the death of his brother. But first, he has to find out who did it. So let Seth Harwood, the author of Jack Wakes Up, take you on a trip through crime, action, and violence this fall as he brings young Junius to Seth Harwood. Com, your home for serialized crime. I just know if I have to walk any longer, if Scatman Crothers jumps out on me, I'm going to have to kick his ass.